Hallie, your brother is desperate Hi. to say hello to you. Hi, Davey. Sorry you can't be on the podcast. It's okay. <laughs> I want to be on the Krampus episode. It's my favorite. I still have not seen that. Oh my gosh. So it's really funny because last night, David was like, what's your favorite Christmas movie? And I was totally thinking Krampus. And then he, and I said, well, what's yours? And he is said, this Nightmare Krampus. Before Christmas. No, he said Krampus. And then he said, second is Nightmare Before Christmas. Ah, uh, damn, I need to see it, I guess. What are your qualifications? Ah, well, I attended Juilliard. I'm a graduate of the Harvard Business School. I travel quite extensively. I lived through the Black Plague, and I had a pretty good time during that. I've seen The Exorcist about 167 times, and it keeps getting funnier every single time I see it. Now, what do you think? Survivor Girls. I'll start the introduction and just remember to say your name for once. Okay, maybe. <laughs> I'll probably forget. Hi, welcome back to uh, Survivor Girls, another horror movie podcast. This is one of your hosts, Hallie speaking. Uh, this is Emily, the other host. And then we have a special guest star for today. He has been helping us since the beginning, um, giving us a lot of ideas on how to improve especially for the segments and all of that yeah um, you have him to thank honestly we are trash before now we've improved at least a little bit so uh may i introduce steven my brother-in-law hey what's going on y'all <laughs> hello steven welcome <laughs> thank you. I, I i'm feeling so welcome um if you want you can tell the podcast a little bit about yourself if you don't sure. want to that's also cool <laughs> sure um, yeah, my name is Stephen Michael Carr, and uh, I live in Louisville, Kentucky. Go Cards, L1C4, all that bullshit. <laughs> and uh, I like horror movies, bourbon, beer, and a good book. I like throwing dinner parties. Oh, it yes. doesn't go with it. Doesn't go with all the bees that you just said. I have to. Have to ask you to find a new word. He likes baking. Baking. There we go. Oh, I fucking hate baking. Okay, uh, I'm sorry. Here's the thing. Cooking is a, is an art. Baking is a science, which <laughs> is my husband, friends, Hallie's brother. Uh, yes. David enjoys baking. I enjoy cooking. There is a very stark difference between the two things, and never the twain shall meet. Yeah, I feel like you can just throw whatever when you're cooking in, and it'll taste good, and then baking, you have to do it very specific hallelujah i agree with all those things we recently found out that um me and him and my brother all really like horror movies but we never discussed it before and thus <laughs> here he is oh girl it's my jam i'm so ready we're thriving so this week we watched hellraiser 2 hellbound emily Ooh. what year was it um 1988 so it's from 1988, so it was about three years afterwards. Um, we've already covered Hellraiser 1, so all the main characters that were in Hellraiser 1 are in this one. So Kirsty, Julia, Frank, just not, um, spoiler alert, Kirsty's dad. He Rest in peace. Really, really wants him to be. Um, R.I.P. So I'm going to go over just like the new characters. And what they've done in the past. So we have Imogen Borman as Tiffany. So she really didn't do anything else worth of note, really, um, besides play Tiffany, except for um, she was arrested after she was found drunk in the rain with a three-year-old dressed as a fairy. What? (laughs) That was on her Wikipedia page. Oh, good. (laughs) Nice. Wow. She was arrested and had to do 120 hours of community service. Oh, wow. Mm. Maybe that's why she's not in anything else. <laughs> <laughs> then we have Kenneth Cranham, 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 as Dr. Philip Chenard. Yeah, um, Chenard. He was the narrator in the Hannibal TV series, which is um pretty good. I want to see that really? so bad. I still haven't done it. I watched. Yeah, I haven't seen it either. I binged like the first two seasons and it was really good. Um, and then he's acted in many TV shows, such as In the Fletch, which I'm a personal fan of. Please make a season three. It's been five years. 
Um, we're Steven, waiting. Steven, you would like in the flesh. Um, it's not happening. If it's been five years, girl, it's not happening. There's a season one and two, though, and it kind of has a conclusive ending. Uh, that, mm. that makes me not want to watch. <laughs> Guys, it's so good. Okay. Zombie, zombie flicks are you, they're like my least favorite. Zombies and vampires and werewolves are not my jam. Yeah, I feel that. I think uh, vampires and werewolves are better suited for the romance wait. category instead of horror. Hallie, well, David, David loves all of those things. He literally just came back here and gave me that like, meh look. You know that look, Kelly. <laughs> yes. Can you please just say werewolves again for me? No. <laughs> you don't get to hear it. It's so funny. Why can't you say wolves? <laughs> werewolves. Oh, that was better. I said it. That was better. I, it's just when I'm not concentrating on saying the word. Okay. <laughs> And then he's also in NCS, Manhunt, Pollyanna, and Merlin. He was in a shit ton of stuff. Like, his Wikipedia, like, was so, so big for TV shows. So he's like the discount Nicolas Cage. Yes. Okay. No, no, that's not fair. Daddy <laughs> Chenard deserves better than that. That's not right. You shouldn't say that. <laughs> hey, if you accept every role, you're just going to be Nick Cage in my mind. That's offensive. <laughs> and then we have William Hope as Kyle McRae, the um, doctor's assistant, basically. She's in minor roles in big movies such as Scanners, Poltergeist, Sherlock Holmes, and Captain America. But Hold up. Who was he in Poltergeist? I, he was like a boyfriend in a car. Oh, yes. Okay. Yes. Uh-huh. Very the older minor role. Gotcha. Listen, y'all need to do that movie and I need to be invited back for that one because that's one of my favorite horror movies ever. That's another one I still haven't seen and I heard it's I really good. Shut either. your face. You've not seen Poltergeist. I know, I know. I'm trying. Dead, dead. <laughs> so the audience score was a 6.5 out of 10. That was from IMDb. And then there was only like 28 ratings on Rotten Tomatoes. So I didn't include it because that's not, a good, that's not a good selection. No statistics there. Gotta have oh, a good analysis. Not at all. <laughs> oh, I have a fun fact. Can I share a fun fact? Yes. Okay, so listen. I was doing, I was, I was down a Google rabbit hole today mm-hmm. concerning this movie. Mm-hmm. And um, apparently, so you, um, we're going to get there in a second, but Leviathan, yes. right? You're familiar with Leviathan. The, the folks, you're going to hear about Leviathan in a minute, but apparently, so you know how he like has that black agony beam thing yeah. that like comes out of, okay. So apparently um, throughout the film, that black beam is, um, it's flashing in Morse code. No way. That's cool. And, appar- and apparently the Morse code that it is flashing is God. Like it says God. Oh my god! Wow, we love death. That's pretty baller, right? That's pretty cool. I love that. We love subliminal messaging. <laughs> we stand a subliminal message ring. Yes. Yes, we do. Uh- All right, so we're going to get into the movie now. So we open with Jesus wept again, and there's a brief review of the ending of the first movie, just in case you wanted to skip right into this. After the opening credits, we see the man who eventually becomes Pinhead messing with the Lament configuration. He gets scored and pinned, and behold, it's your boy Pinhead. Basically, they show how he's created. So Kirsty is in a psych hospital, and the movie takes place directly after the first one ends. So she wakes up, and she's in the psych ward, getting interrogated for her father's and Julia's death. Find Frank's corpse, and it's covered in maggots, and it's really gross. And I was eating my lunch during this, so it was not fun. It cuts to someone doing a very gross brain surgery with a narcissistic doctor, who is going to work on Kirstie, that is... A.K.A. Daddy Chenard. Yes. yes. <laughs> also, that surgery, like, 
looked so bad. Like, he just, like, went in so hard into her brain. <laughs> he did. And she was just, like, awake for all of it. She was just chilling out. Yeah, I think that being awake is the most creepy. But I know you have to be awake for brain surgeries, which is why I hope that never happens to me. Yes. Right. So, no one is listening to Kirsty about destroying the mattress. And, like, honestly, I wouldn't either. Yeah. It would just be, like, some very traumatized person saying you need to burn a mattress and i'd be like fuck you sweetie we're the cops (laughs) discount winona ryder was like throw away away the mattress and you were like why though like this is evidence my very next bullet point says kirsty also looks like two times as much as winona ryder this movie than she did last movie (laughs) but very specifically like lydia deets yeah. Yeah. It's so Very wild. I told you. What did I say? So the doctor seems to enjoy all the patients suffering. He like keeps them locked away in like the basement, some of them. Um, mm-hmm. Which so creepy. <laughs> um we get lots of flashbacks from the previous movie and Kirsty tried to explain it to the doctors. And Kirstie's acting sounds like Emily trying to act. <laughs> Ouch! What the Damn. heck? <laughs> what did I do to you? It's literally just that one scene. She, her voice, like, twists, and it kind of sounds like you when you're talking really loudly, and it freaked me out. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm going to need to go back and watch that scene again. Uh, so the doctor's assistant finds out the weird-ass doctor, Daddy Chenard, is Daddy Chenard. obsessed with the occult but it's actually just a lemon configuration, but he doesn't know that yet, so uh, the doc... Like a bunch of them. Yeah, he has, like, six of them all in glass cases, but the dude's too dumb to figure it out, even though Kirsty's bitch-ass figured out how to do it in, like, two <laughs> seconds the last movie. Yeah, on accident. <laughs> right, she was just fiddling. Yep. <laughs> Dude is, like, the assistant a- to the doctor. She woke up out of a coma and did it. <laughs> Anyways, the doctor takes a patient who believes he has bugs crawling in his skin, which, like, relatable, and gives him a razor blade to cut himself with it over the bed from the previous movie. So, I forgot to explain, but the doctor is like, hey, we need to, like, work out a deal with the cop, and tells the cop to bring him the mattress that Kirstie was whining about, probably to be like, we're gonna do some, like, therapy with it, or whatever. We're not, we're gonna resurrect Julia back from the dead. Which is hilarious because, can I just tell you, watching this film again, after having not seen it for a while, you know, my, my knee-jerk reaction was, okay, this kind of co- corruption would never happen. But then I was like, but you know what? It totally would. <laughs> Trump is our president, so. <laughs> it totally would. The it accuracy. totally could happen. The accuracy. <laughs> not ruling it out. So Also, to, do, I feel like, I feel like it's kind of important to explain that, like, in this universe, the way the weird-ass rules work is, like, like if you die on a thing or in a specific place, like, that place almost becomes a portal to, I guess, what yeah. we would ev- eventually, well, ha- about like, that. It's, like, very... <laughs> about that. <laughs> it's if you get taken, like, killed by the Cenobites in that place, if someone drops blood on that place you can get like brought back into the other world or something it's like a little wormhole that you can just crawl yourself out of yeah like a like a parallel universe that that's the entryway yeah see i've always looked at it as more of a parallel universe as opposed to like literal hell it's more of like yeah or something yeah it's never struck me as like the whole like um christian idea of what the like afterlife for bad people is no. it's a bit more complicated and gray than that you know mm-hmm. which is something that i really appreciate the patient ends up mutilating himself and obviously the blood goes onto the mattress that still has chains on it um and basically becomes a portal to this uh version of hell and julia pops up with no skin but she has a very obvious thong blended into the makeup. <laughs> yeah. So hold up a second. Pause. Stop for it. Can we talk for just a second about how iconic the like 
um, skin, skinless muscle outfits were for people in this movie. The that is some hardcore practical girl, girl. Listen, uh, listen. Eighties special effects can be fairly tragic sometimes. Yes. I do appreciate the lack of CGI, you know, because it was the eighties, so they they weren't <laughs> doing a whole lot of CGI. But but I, I will say that like um, those outfits the the skinless weird like muscle showing outfits were flawless and also like the most iconic the most iconic scene in movie horror movie history is julia totally skinless bloody as all hell wearing a fucking white suit okay yes yeah i had that written down Oh my god. That would be an amazing Halloween costume. I, love I could not. Like Heidi Klum clearly surely she's done this. Like that is a thing <laughs> that Heidi Klum has done for Halloween. We know skips Julia in a white suit. Please don't give Kim Kardashian any ideas. <laughs> that one got me. But yeah, no, that's one of my bullet points is Julia bloodied up in a white suit would be a kick-ass Halloween costume because that I saw that come out, and I was like, oh, my God. But also, too, like, same scene, switching it up just a little bit. Can we also talk about how, like, damn ugly Daddy Shenard's house is? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yes. It's real bad. It's real bad. It's too much of a mix of aesthetics, because in, like, the regular part of the house, it's all, like, stark white Mm -hmm. minimalism, kind of. And then you get up to the um, attic, and it's, like, the occult dark wood everywhere and i'm like this doesn't work can't mix two different two different aesthetics like that it reminds me of um shit what's that movie the one where the robot smart house no it's like modern but also plush which like felt very strange to me it's like let's make everything stark but with carpet like that one where the robot girl and he, she like the guy falls in love with her and tries to break her out and then she kills him. Oh, ex machina. What now? Ex machina. That's it. That's what I remember. Oh, of. oh, I I haven't seen that movie. It's good. See that watch movie. It. Modern, but also it was the eighties. So they were like, let's put carpet on everything because you know <laughs> why boomers, not? Boomers. The seventies. Boomers are still trying to hold. Let's on. take this perfectly good hardwood floor and put carpet on it. Okay, boomers. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. All the people. Well, are are all the people in this movie? Are they are they boomers? Uh, I think so yeah. because the youngest Tiffany right now is four. Yeah. So we can. Doctor Shenard is dead. Is probably yeah. Daddy Shenard is probably like the silent generation. But... <laughs> um. So Julia still managed to get men, even though she has no skin. Iconic. <laughs> what is it about her? How do I get to that level? I really want to know. I have questions. Stephen, do you know? So first off, I'm just saying, I'm just going to reiterate what I said before. How iconic is skinless Julia in a white suit? It is true. It is like, also too, she's like coming over and she's like, hey, hey, daddy, Chenard, you don't need that cigarette. I need that cigarette. And you're like, I, I, w- I was watching that and I was just like, ah, shit. Um... Julia has some mad skills. I don't know. I don't, you know, um, the the lady bits is not a thing that I know about, but apparently it's tight down there because <laughs> confidence is key, I guess. Yeah. I feel like it, I'm just still hung up on her hair. I will never not be hung up on her hair. The hair's so bad. So Kyle is easily tricked by. Julia's pretty face. Uh, this is after the Dr. Shannar got Julia so many bodies that she finally gets her skin back. And Kyle's easily tricked, um, not even questioning why she's in the house in the first place. Right. Like she's a bridesmaid in a wedding. Um, 
That wasn't uh, so. Listen, as iconic as that white suit is, when she had no skin, when she finally did get some skin, what a played out dress! Like, what the hell? I know. Yeah, the suit would have been I, I much better. Disappointed in her because listen, I feel like I recall, and I'm only saying this because I'm like two brandies deep, but like I feel like I recall julia wearing a bunch of power suits and stuff and i guess that maybe that's what i like about her is that she is like a take charge bitch who doesn't give a damn and now she's wearing this weird ass greek like bridesmaids dress bridesmaids dress and it's just not befitting it's not a good look it just isn't it really it's not it's it's not the look of an evil queen okay it's not to be fair she does get kind of a redemption in this movie but later on yeah to be fair it's her resurrection uh, did we watch the same movie we'll get to it we can discuss girl all right <laughs> gone so julia has now adopted frank's come to daddy with come to mama um <sighs> and somehow wolverines her hand into the back of kyle's head and drains him of life listen they keep doing that in this series it's like, how easy is it to shove your hand into the back of somebody's brain? Yeah. Like, does she have, that shit is crazy. Does she have super strength? Multiple times. Over the course of the first two movies, it happens a bunch of times. Like, people reaching into people's backs, people reaching into people's, like, chests, people reaching into each other's, like, back of their head. It's crazy. Yeah. It's not, we never said it was realistic. <laughs> it's not realistic. Don't try this at home. So the doctor takes the young girl who doesn't speak, Tiffany, and she just solves puzzles from the hospital um, to solve the limit configuration. And spoiler alert, she does. Uh, the Cenobites show up and they bypass Tiffany, even though she's the one who opened it by saying, it's not hands who call us, it is desire. Uh, that oh, was yeah. really embarrassing for me to say. Uh, <laughs> and then we go, everyone goes into the labyrinth, basically. From Julia and Daddy Chenard to Kirsty and Tiffany. And there's a bunch of baby motifs going yeah. on. From like multiple babies crying to this weird doll with its mouth sewn shut. I don't really know understand. what that is. By its own hand. Like the doll sews yeah. its own mouth shut. It's holding the needle and thread. Yeah. What was the baby shit about? <laughs> I have no idea because no one was like pregnant or anything too no kirstie's scream acting is still so bad in this movie when she's talking to the sun and bites about her father yep um in this place though like um the scenery goes completely bonkers it's like hey let's like let go of the plot for a second and let's just do some surreal surreal horror show shit like they got the, the clown that's, like, juggling his own eyeballs. Yeah. Just for fun. The baby. Yeah. It was like they were just trying that, to make it as weird as possible for no reason. That, I, I, You know, I was here for it, though. Because here's the thing. It's like, um, okay, so Clive Barker is gay. Mm -hmm. Okay. And uh, Clive Barker, I don't know if you've seen any other things that Clive Barker has written slash... Uh, created into films and whatnot but like um she is prone to fabulosity okay and she's a little over the top and she likes camp okay yes, this and, is very camp uh yes i was gonna say like hellraiser takes itself very seriously i would argue that hellbound hellraiser 2 is a camp classic i would agree yeah it is it is redonkulous and it knows that it's redonkulous and that's why it's here. So after Kirsty has a screaming fight with the Cenobites and being like, you want Julia, she escaped you. Uh, we go back to Julia and the doctor who are in the maze and they stumble upon an extreme BDSM three-way where the men are hooked up to chains with um, literal hooks. Weird and stop motion-y. I don't even know why I included that because that's not important to the overall summary so please just ignore that you know what though no for real though the thing is is that as 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 a queen i'm just saying that uh clive barker pays lots of attention to aesthetic and that was an aesthetic thing 
but but also to i'm just saying that like well a the most iconic the most aesthetic thing is julia in that white suit with no skin girl (laughs) and we're back back. that is that is the aesthetic okay so tiffany stumbles upon kirsty so julia and dr torture show up to some kind of built like you know those abstract paintings of buildings where it's like some of them are flipped upside down and people are walking upside down upstairs and things. That's how this looks. You're talking about MC Escher is what you're talking about. Yes. Thank you, Stephen, for the fact check. Vibe check. So, yes. No, so there's there's a famous, like, artist named MC Escher who, uh, you know, made, like, all those drawings and paintings you've seen of, like, stairs that go to nowhere and stuff. That yeah, That's MC really. Escher. And MC Escher heavily influenced this movie. Oh, my God. Yeah, like, I, I like, saw that scene and I was like, boom, I know exactly what that's trying to, like, show. Yeah, we now we have someone to actually, like, provide knowledge. <laughs> Instead of just us saying dumb shit and being like, oh, yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> Instead of us talking out of our ass when nobody listening knows what we're talking about. Yeah, um, girls, MC Escher. So Julia proclaims that she worships the Leviathan, the Lord of the Labyrinth. Praise his holy name. And reveals that she's basically a double agent. And she came back to bring the Leviathan's souls. So the doctor gets tortured with wires across his face and some weird tentacle into his mouth. So we're back to tentacle porn. Yes. We always somehow find our way back. And then Kirstie finds a door to our home and goes in telling Tiffany... She's back, like, real soon to, like, run away. And then this, I would argue, is the second most aesthetic part. She enters a room with hundreds of candles. And as she walks, there's, like, these little slots. Like, say, if you've ever seen Snowpiercer, their prison is, like, these drawers that people are inside and they pull them out. Yeah, and, it's like a coffin, kind of. Yeah, it's kind of like a coffin that pulls out. But it's women are, like, <laughs> orgasming, basically, with, like, thin white sheets over them and like they're making the noises and um and then they're having these orgasms and once Chrissy takes off their sheets they disappear so after she she sees the I am in hell help me message that she had seen earlier in the movie on the psych hospital's wall which like you're seeing this at the psych hospital maybe it's not something you should be looking into (laughs) don't Um, be concerned about it just leave it alone (laughs) The woman covered in cloaks pop back out, but they're covered in blood this time, still getting off. Uh, Kinky. Even hotter. (laughs) More aesthetic. Red on white is such an aesthetic look. I'm just saying, like, Clive Barker's whole mood is, like, grotesque fabulosity. That is, like, his whole thing. His whole mood is Dragula. (laughs) Yes, but, like... 20, 30 years before Dragula, you know? I mean, they did have a Hellraiser uh, Cenobite challenge in season two, so... Hashtag Landon Sider is God. Did win? I didn't watch. Yes. Thank God. Surprise! The messages were sent to her were actually from Frank, who still wants to fuck his niece. And come to daddy, you know. Come to daddy. That old bit. <laughs> daddy Frank. Um, like, Frank is hot. Oh, he is. We, know. we, we would risk it all know. for that man. If he was DTF right there, I mean, I'd, I'd be like, yeah, okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, come on. And he wants to put her under a sheet like the rest of the orgasming women, basically. And says she'll do anything, but then lights the room on fire because fuck that noise. Uh, <laughs> Frank gets reverted back to his exposed nerves and muscles. And then Julia shows up to the party with Tiffany. And Frank is like, you belong to me, Julia. Please come back. Like, not please. He, de- he never says please. Nah, fuck you. Come back to me. Like, you belong to me. And then Julia uh, rips out Frank's heart in revenge for killing her in the last movie. And honestly, I support her for once. And this is where she turns into an okay person, kind of. She's a queen. Ju- Julia, yes. Yes, Julia is an evil queen. And she even says so in the movie. And then she calls uh, discount wine owner writer Snow White. She's like, come get me Snow White or whatever. Yes. Yeah. It's the whole mood. 
I support her so much more in this movie than the, than the first one. Same. She's such a badass. She is. No. You can't help but love it in this movie. I know. Like, she's kind of crotchety in the first movie, but in the second one, you're, like, I'm kind of rooting for her. I'm like, yeah, she's kind of a badass. She she went through a whole lot. I know. How the turntables. I feel like people don't like her in the first movie because she seems like she's being really easily manipulated. And then in the second movie, she's like, I'm doing this all on my own free will, basically. Yeah, yeah girl, but when the D is good, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Back to the task at hand. Uh, <laughs> Suddenly, Tiffany and Kirsty, uh, they they leave the room, and they suddenly get sucked up into a wind tunnel for some reason. Yeah. The doctor pops back up, and uh, he's a Cenobite who has a tentacle a tentacle attached to his head that looks like a dick. Carnivorous plants from Jumanji. No, it looks like a penis. No, it looks like the when it opens up, it looks like those plants that eat people in Jumanji. See, I thought it looked like an umbilical cord. Okay. All right, we're all thinking very different things. It literally, when he's, I'm spoiler alert, jumping, but when his head gets chopped off at the end, it literally looks like a penis. <laughs> Come on. Please look it up and please agree with me. First off, how dare you? <laughs> secondly, secondly, his head does not get ripped off. Like, I mean, I'm sorry, his head does not get cut off. Ripped off. The, the top part of his head, not his whole head, the top part, like the lower jaw is not part of this his growth plan. Yeah. ripped in half there, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Settled. <laughs> sorry. Now that we're done fighting over what the tentacle on his head looks like, uh, Julia gets stuck in the wind tunnel and her skin rips off in Tiffany's hand. <laughs> skin comes off so easily in this movie yeah. also how hilarious if that happens and she gets sucked into the vortex or whatever and then her skin just crumples it just, and it looks so cheap and I've, <laughs> I literally cackled when I was watching it, it literally and looks like clothes, a and everything's just still laying perfectly on it I yeah I cackled <laughs> it looks like flat Stanley and girl, you know that you know that like horrible ass bridesmaids dress would not, not like it would rip in the back too. <laughs> you know that shit's cheap. That's not how this works. Yeah. Uh, so after this happens, they seemingly escape back to the mental hospital, except it's not, and all the patients are hooked up with chains, trying to solve the limit configurations for the doctor, daddy doctor. Uh. Kirstie showed Pinhead a picture of himself from when he was human, and him and the rest of the Cenobites have, have existential breakdowns. Uh, there's essentially a Cenobite boss fight between the Doctor <laughs> and Pinhead, uh, which honestly would be fun to play in a video game. As yeah. a Cenobite, Why isn't this a video game? Why aren't they making this a video game? It would be hell Maybe it was originally supposed to be a video game, and they just forgot? It's 2019, people. Make it happen. Did you know that, so, so I think um, Clive Barker, her infernal majesty, okay, is only involved in the first two films, I believe. Yes. Okay, interesting. Um, after that, everything goes to shit, right? Yeah. But like, like, film number, I don't know, seven or eight. There's eight of them? Yes. Oh, there's like 10 or 11 Holy of them. Shit. Isn't one of them in like in space or am I thinking of Friday the 13th? No, you're, yeah, you're thinking of Friday the 13th. You're thinking of Jason X. But yes. anyway, <laughs> legit, there is one of, the, like there is there is a Hellraiser film called Hellraiser Hellworld. Mm-hmm. And it's about online gaming that has to do with the Cenobite. Wow, so they, they did it first. They ran out of so many ideas. They did. Girl. Well, Clive Barker didn't sign off on anything past this this movie. I feel like it's very apparent. As the Cenobites get taken out by the Doctor, they revert back to their human forms, and then there's a big reveal that Chatterer was a young boy, which we discussed in the previous uh, episode of Hellraiser on this podcast. Emily? Yeah, I'm sorry. I regret everything. I didn't know when I was writing my notes. I just, it just, it was hot, okay? Leave me be. (laughs) So, Tiffany returns into the labyrinth to finish the lament configuration while some epic music plays. 
Julia somehow turns into the big good and distracts the doctor from Tiffany as she solved the puzzle box. The doctor's head gets ripped in half by the Jumanji plant, and I'm saying it looks like a Jumanji plant, not a dick, and not an umbilical <laughs> cord. Oh, and true. Ju- Julia attempts to help Tiffany, who fell off the edge, but her skin starts to become unattached one last time. Plot twist, it's Kirsty covered in blood, wearing Julia's skin, and they walk out alive. Also, too, I feel the need to point out that, like, Kirsty covered in Julia's skin makes out with Daddy Chenard as a Cenobite because, like, sacrifice, you know? Think of how hot and wet and gross it is inside a skin suit. That I can't even imagine. Blood. Also, man was horny, horny. He didn't even, <laughs> he didn't even notice the bitch right away. <laughs> Yo, asshole, we're trying to record a podcast, okay? You narrow-minded, tacky-ass bitch. So, I was trying to think to myself about um, a segment that I could bring to the show that could be a recurring segment whenever I am on the show, if I am on the show multiple times. Like, it wasn't specific to this movie. Yep. And the idea that I came up with, because I'm gay as hell, okay? (laughs) Uh, and and so uh, something in gay culture that I think would be really hilarious to talk about in the context of these horror movies is Grinder, okay? G R I N D R, Grinder. Yes. AKA the app that informed Tinder for heterosexuals. Uh-huh. The OG <laughs> um, Tinder. Yeah, the OG Tinder. Um, Grinder came first, like several years before Tinder was even a thing. The T. And. That's the T right there. Anyway, we would call this segment the organ grinder. Yes. <laughs> in which in which we create grinder profiles for uh, specific characters from the film in w- that we are watching. <laughs> and it. so I would like to create grinder profiles for the Cenobites that took an active role in this movie. Yes. Now, I'm just going to assume... I'm sure y'all are real smart and shit, but like, I just, for in case there is a listener out there that doesn't know what Grinder is, I want to give a little bit of a, an overview and then we can dive right into this. Does that work? Yes. yes. Cool. So, Grinder is an uh, basically a hookup app for gay men that is a mobile app and they show up in a, in a grid according to their proximity to you based on gps okay Ease of action. yes and it's mostly you know naked torsos <laughs> and and people trying to like make taglines and then like they ask you if you have any pics yep and does this all sound familiar to you all yes <laughs> i know listen i've never been on tinder so i don't know if this like translates it's but like that's basically similar. what happens so, so, but like, they're not trying to date. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yes, we understand. <laughs> like the full, like breadth of the app is like, let's get our rocks off together. Um, okay. <laughs> so I thought it would be really funny to make grinder profiles for the Cenobites. Yes. And specifically Pinhead, the Chatterer, Butterball, uh, quote unquote, the female Cenobite which I would like to put forward another segment that gets regularly used called Your Favorites Are Problematic, in which we talk about why is she called the female Cenobite, a.k.a. Deep Throat in some of the comic books, and also uh, Dr. Chenard, a.k.a. Daddy Chenard, a.k.a. Dr. Cenobite. (laughs) I feel like it's also important to note that, like, so... This wasn't a thing whenever I used Grinder, but like now it's a thing um, where you get to subscribe to like different tribes, mm-hmm. quote unquote, that you belong to. So like maybe you're a bear, maybe you're like into leather, maybe you're a twink, maybe you're a daddy, maybe you're clean cut, maybe you're, I don't know. Yeah, if you don't know what like you are, just it. look them up and use common sense. Yeah, you catch my drift. Yes. So Pinhead... His tribe is very obviously leather. Yes. Right. I mean, 
and his tagline on his profile is looking to get nailed. <laughs> I mean, the bad jokes, they just write themselves, right? They like, do. Um, also, too, like, Pinhead is the kind of guy that wants you to know that he totally has a Prince Albert piercing, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He does. Yes. I think that's canon in the comic books. Is it really? Yeah, I've not read the comic books. Yeah, piercings. Oh, well, wow. it was obvious. <laughs> I'm just saying. I feel like I'm just saying if Clive Barker, uh, Queen, you know, Queen Mother Clive Barker, <laughs> if she was going to make like a Queen Diva that is Pinhead, who is into piercings and, and BDSM and shit, he's going to have a Prince Albert oh, piercing. Oh, uh, also, too, sometimes I, do, do people do this in Tinder? You like sometimes people will add just like really random facts about themselves, and you're like, "Why would you say that?" Yes, yes, yeah. They're just trying to be cool, right? So on Pinhead's profile, he would say that his favorite album was "Into the Labyrinth" by Dead Can Dance. <laughs> right, like most of the people who listen to this are probably Gen Z folk who have no idea who Dead Can Dance is. But I will tell you, as a millennial. And also, if there are any Gen Xers listen, listening, they were probably like, oh, shit, yeah, Dead Can Dance, Into the Labyrinth. And you should give it a Google. Okay, go on Spotify, listen to that album, because it's the jam. We're now giving you song recs. <laughs> Movie okay. recs yes. and song recs. Right, you didn't know you were getting all of these all of these uh, cultural recommendations. You just get so well. much free content. <laughs> Into the Labyrinth by Dead Can Dance. Okay, moving on. Also, too, I feel like it's important to note that, like, literally all of the profile pictures of these Cenobite grinders are limbless torsos. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, like, literally limbless torsos. I love the I mental love picture that that gave me. So, second up, we have the Chatterer. My right? boy, literally. Mm, um. Yes, yes. Um, the Chatterer's tribe is Twink. Are y'all familiar with that term? Oh, yes. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, I don't like to assume anything about our listeners because who knows? But like, <laughs> so so in gay culture, the Twink is like um, the young, very boyish looking person who is, I, 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 disclosure, is of age, but looks young, okay? At so Colin, we don't catch cases on this podcast. We don't. Yes. So, so for instance, I would like to just say that in my younger years, I was a twink, but now I have graduated into what is called the twunk. But like, <laughs> we—that's that's a whole other level of thing that you can invite me back, and we can talk about that at a later. Uh, the chatterer, the chatterer is a twink, and he is into um, his. So his headline on his grinder po- profile is, "How much teeth do you want?" <laughs> yes. <laughs> seems like the type have you guys yes. um, seen that youtube video or it's like the erin from the office that's the best blowjob ever have you seen yes that? yes how much yes. teeth do you want by erin from the office you mean kimmy schmidt okay? okay yes both a light grazing of my teeth <laughs> um, speaking of that the very next word that i have on my profile for the chatterer is grazer <laughs> he he also can't host because spoilers he's a twink <laughs> I also wrote down the word servant as in like if this is some BDSM stuff the chatter is definitely on the servant end of the spectrum okay oh, absolutely oh 100% he also doesn't talk he's very discreet he yes. does not talk he's shy yeah. he's very shy a shy boy <laughs> but he likes to clack his teeth together a whole bunch <laughs> how much teeth do you want oh god <laughs> number three we've got butterball who is probably my favorite, if I'm being real honest with you. Oh, boo. Uh, Butterball, yes, Butterball's tribe is bear. Yeah, definitely. And he's he's into sploshing, which, if you're not familiar with sploshing, is like uh, the erotification of food. So, like, sex involving um, whipped cream, strawberry, chocolate, gravy, any of those things. <laughs> you learn <laughs> gravy. You learn something new every day. Girl, listen, I'm from Kentucky. Gravy is a very real possibility, okay? Gravy is that a sounds, very real kink. That sounds great, honestly. It's Thanksgiving what's, coming what's up. What's your, kink, what's your kink, Emily? Gravy. gravy. It's Thanksgiving <laughs> season. Um, 
also too because of butterball i obviously was thinking about turkey turkeys right butterball yes, turkeys yes so his tagline is based me daddy <laughs> uh his his sub headlines are what i lack in looks i make up for in my costco membership and also I literally look like the thumbs from the movie Spy Kids. Yes. He does. Yes. <laughs> thumb thumbs. Oh my God. He is a thumb thumb. Okay, my next for my next trick. Um we're we're we're, we're, we're talking we're talking about Daddy Chenard. Yes. Of course. The okay. Only. Daddy is one of the available tribes. So obviously he's daddy. He's into dad jokes. I mean, literally every damn line out of his mouth once he became a cinnamon was a dad joke. Can you give us an example? Like, he was all like, uh, Tiffany, what, what, what's on the docket today? Oh, yes. Evisceration. Yes, I remember that. <laughs> like, ridiculous, corny ass jokes. Like, literally everything he said after he became a cinnamon was a dad joke. I love it. Except for one of my favorite lines from the whole movie whenever he comes out and he's like, and to think, I hesitated. Yes. So good. When he comes out of his little, like, box. Yes, which was great. Also, oh, another fun fact. Did you know that um, the the, the dude playing Daddy Chenard was, like, claustrophobic and therefore would not get into the box? And so any time that it showed him in the box with his face, it was a close-up. And he actually had a body double who was in the box. Really? Because he wouldn't do it. Damn. His headline is, and this, listen, I, will, I also want to go on the record as saying that none of these headlines or any of these things are like my opinions or, um, you know, they may be culturally insensitive, but also it was 1988 and thus very culturally insensitive, like by proxy. So, so I feel like I just I feel like it's important to throw that out there. It is. Um, um, his tagline would be, "I like putting my dick in crazy." <laughs> yeah. I mean- also, too, I just I want to say that um, Daddy Chenard would all, all also very obviously be very loud during sex because yes. what was that damn noise? That he, ah, like <laughs> through the whole movie, it's, ah, it's like this weird ass. That's his own noise. <laughs> He's also down to experiment, and he's into amputee. Oh, yeah. And so finally, we come to um, segue into your favorites are problematic. Um, the female Cenobite, a.k.a. Deep Throat. Yes. From the comics, right? They call her Deep Throat in the comics. Yes. Yeah, first off, why is her name got to be female Cenobite? Like, WTF. Because people are misogynistic. Also, all of the Cenobites are white. That's another problem. Yes. But, so I, I had to do a deep dive for Homegirl Deep Throat because um, things were not just very obviously apparent. Turns out Homegirl in her like life before she became a Cenobite, her name was Sister Nicoletta. Mm-hmm. And she was a nun, y'all. Yeah. I love that for her. So for me, um, I thought that it would be really funny if her tagline was, I'm your bad habit. <laughs> wait for it. Wait for it. Um, she's also a whore for Jesus. <laughs> and I, was, I, I went down this rabbit hole of looking up like horror movie tropes. And uh, one of the horror movie tropes that shows up in this movie whenever she sacrifices herself uh, to Daddy Chenard, you know, that whole scene is the trope that is known as snaked in the throat hole. Yeah. Because <laughs> <really funny. laughs> she gets speared in the, she gets speared in the throat. Yeah. So in her little so, opening that looks like a vagina. In you and also too out of all of the Cenobites except for Daddy Chenard because like Daddy Chenard talked a whole lot for how much screen time he had. Uh Deep Throat, aka the female Cenobite, aka sister Nicoletta she talks a lot in the two movies. Like, she speaks probably more than any of the other Cenobites. Yeah. Fun fact, she's also played by a different actress in both those movies. I was gonna yes, say. She is. I was gonna say. Her aesthetic looks different in both movies, too. Yeah. Her face shape is different. Yep. Concludes my segment on Organ Grinder. I Woo! loved it. Great job. I was gonna make a comment on the part with the deep throat. Have you guys also seen that YouTube video that's like, uh, put it in my ass if you love Jesus? 
Yes, that oh, I thought that. of. That should have. That's another tagline that she could have. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the hole that God can't see. But I think it's. Oh my lord. All right, we'll do the fuck Mary kill segment now. Uh. Steven obviously hasn't done this and Emily's opinion has changed from her Hellraiser episode. Mine still stands, so I'll go right away. We got, what was it? Uh, Fuck Pinhead, Kill Chatterer, Mary, uh, the Lady Cenobite. That was it last time. Yes, that is mine. But anyways, you guys have different things that have more in-depth explaining, so... Yeah, mine just flips a little bit, so I guess I'll go first. Um, yeah, I still want to marry Pinhead because he sacrificed himself for them, and that was cute. I just feel like he's got a lot of heart still. Um, but I'm not going to fuck Chatterer anymore because it chose him as a little boy, and I just can't do that to myself. I'm sorry to my fans, but no. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to fuck the female Cenobite instead because she's honestly hot when they show her like real version of her body damn she's got it um and yeah i'm gonna kill chatterer and still fuck butterball like he's not even on my radar still (laughs) fuck as in we don't want him yes get him out of here steven yes i have opinions y'all all All right so number one number one i just find it very weird that y'all aren't fucking hot frank hot uncle frank he's not a cenobite I didn't. I didn't know we had to. We only could choose Cenobite. Yeah, yeah that's what we did the first episode. Oh, pardon me. Well, listen, it's been a while since I listened to it. Okay, one hundred percent. We'd all fuck Uncle Frank. Oh, okay. So, okay. So, laying that aside. Okay, my fuck Mary kill. Uh, I would fuck Doctor Schnard. Sorry, <laughs> Daddy Schnard. Yeah, I got eyes for Daddy Schnard. Okay. Daddy. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm a Mary Pinhead because he's loyal yes. and and when he does speak in both movies, it's like literal poetry. Oh, okay. Yes. Home dude is like demons to some, angels to others. Oh. The pain will be so exquisite. We can't wait to explore your flesh. It right, is I'm just desire. like desire. Girl, Woo. girl, yes. Honey, she's verbal too, let me just say. <laughs> oh yeah. And in terms of who I would kill, it would probably be the chatterer because I'm not into children. Yeah. All right. We all Yeah, Nam- Nambla is Nambla is not my jam. Okay. No. <laughs> not about that life. Nope. Nope. <laughs> all right, and that concludes our segments for this episode. We're going to get into ratings. Yes. Emily, what would you rate this episode? This episode? Ah, fuck. <laughs> Emily, what would you rate this movie? Um, I would give it a 7 out of 10. Um, I'm going off of my original rating. I gave the first one a 6. Um, I liked this one a little bit better. Um, I feel like I liked Julia's character growth. That was like a big part of why I'm moving myself up a little bit. Um, also, I liked how it gave more, like, in-depth about the Cenobites. That was good, because I was kind of, like, confused going in blinds last time, what they were. Um, and it kind of explained the whole hell, quote-unquote, thing with the Leviathan lot. So that was nice. Um, but still, some of the acting is still bad. Like, I, I can't look, I can't put it past, put that past me. Like, um... And I don't know, like, I feel like I'm, I'm so torn. I might give it a seven and a half because the, it was iconic. It was a little iconic, but um, I'll, I'll, I'll be nice. I'll give it a seven and a half. All right, Steven. Yeah, I'm gonna give it a solid eight out of 10. Ooh. Yes, because, so, so I would give the first one a seven out of 10. Okay. Um, Hellbound Hellraiser 2 is a camp classic. 
like I said earlier in the episode. Uh, it is intended to be ridiculous. Mm-hmm. When it's campy, the, the acting is going to be bad. But, like, not necessarily unintentionally so. Mm-hmm. And um, to me, also, too, like, this movie is not... Like, it, it, a lot of it is about the imagery. It's about the cinematography. And to me, like, I loved the uh, the frames in the movie in which they are, like, running on in the labyrinth, and it pulls back, and it's very, like, M.C. Escher, and you can't tell where the uh, actual set ends and, like, the wall painting of the labyrinth begins. Like, I thought that was really cool. Mm-hmm. And also, too... Um, you know, like I said multiple times, um, Julia skinless in a white suit. <laughs> Girl, I can't, I can't get over it. Oh, so it iconic. Visual in a horror film I have ever seen in my whole life, and I don't think that anything will top it. Yeah, um, I looked it up, and it's Armani, by the way, so it makes it even better. Of course it is. Of course it is. So, like, all those things also, too. I'm just saying, it, it is very obvious to me that this that this vision was created by a gay man. Because, oh, like, yeah. also, I, I know you talked about this in the first episode for the first film, but, like, you know, Cenobites were once human, and they are monk in a specific religious sect called the Order of the Gash. Mm-hmm. And, and I love that, like, what this is doing is playing at the intersectionality of um, sex, violence, and religion. Yeah. And I think that's so cool. And I think that, like, you know, the um, the Cenobites, their outfits are very clearly influenced by, like, um, monk garb, like, clergy garb, mm-hmm. also, like, goth punk garb and butcher garb, which I just think is so... Like, Fun. of course, a gay man would think fully through that aesthetic. Like, hell yeah. Yep. I also really love that, like, when it comes down to it, the Cenobites are, if anything, they are chaotic and neutral. Like, <laughs> true. They're not. They're not necessarily villains. They're, they're swayable. You can like. They do make, whatever they want. You can make barters with them. Like they're like hey, Kirsty, we've come for you. And she's like, no, nah, girl, but what if I give you Frank? And they're like, yeah, girl, that's cool. In the first film. And then in the second film, they totally come out and they're like, yeah, we're not going to go after the this little girl. We're going to go We're gonna go where the desire is, which is obviously Daddy Schnard. Mm-hmm. And I just enjoy how swayable they are. Like, they're not evil necessarily and i enjoy that quote that um pinhead says in the first one demons to some angels to others because i feel it really plays up into that which is why i have a problem with referring to the labyrinth as hell because it it puts it in a a negative context and like really i mean it's all very neutral mm-hmm. it's chaotic neutral it's what you want from it so i just i think also too um for for um, a film in the eighties to uh, position itself in that way, even if um, the film didn't necessarily play itself out that way, but like the philosophical, the existential um, questions that one might ask oneself from uh, the the meat of this movie, I think, are, are fairly profound for a movie of its time. I think that's pretty cool. I also think that both films do a good job of not over-explaining things. Mm-hmm. I leave it which up to the interpretation. It annoys the shit out of me whenever horror movies feel they need to wrap everything up bow. Yep, beat you over the like, head with that. Yeah, like, I love Stephen King, but he's terrible at writing endings because he has to wrap everything up in a little bow. Yep, with narration. Yeah. I hate that. I hate when they wrap it up with narration. It's awful. And, and I love that, like, you come out of all of this and you still don't know and there's still a lot you don't know my rating was granted originally pretty low but probably because i watched this at work so i wasn't very happy while watching it how did you watch it at work lunch break okay um i did it in like two parts 
but overall, I think I give like the first two thirds of this movie like an eight out of ten. Like it was really entertaining, and I, besides Percy's acting, uh, a lot of the parts were fun. I liked the circus and all that stuff. Thing right up until like a little bit after Julia betrayed Frank, it was like. I was like, this is great. And then, like, the ending for me was a little bit lackluster. I don't really know what I was expecting from it. But also, this is, like, my second time watching it. So I would give, like, the ending a 6 out of 10. So that would make my score about, like, a 7.5, 7 out of 10. Overall, I think it's a really good movie. I think it's iconic and a classic. As everyone else has said, it's very aesthetically pleasing if you're into that type of aesthetic. Um Overall, it's just a fun movie to watch, and I feel like it would be even more fun if you were watching it fucked up, because yes. it's just wild. Like with your friends. Yeah. Like, yeah, like invite some people over. This would be like a good party movie. Yeah. Um, all right. Since Hallie and I both yes. said that we would survive because we're too dumb to open the lament configuration i guess steven you have not said whether or not you would survive so what would you what do you think i think that i would survive because uh thanks be to god i am a very good master manipulator and because the cenobites are chaotic neutral uh i feel like i would be able to sway them and make a deal i would be able to cut a deal with them shark tank cenobite edition and I would be able to make my way out based on that purely alone. All right. So Steven's smarter than us. Yeah. No I respect it. I can't, I can't manipulate for shit. So <laughs> <laughs> I am the manipulatee, not the manipulator. Like my literal job is to manipulate people. <laughs> All right. So that was this week's episode where we survived Hellraiser. Next week, we're going to be watching Baskin. From 2015 it's a turkish horror movie yes it's a surrealist horror it's based on a 2013 short film by the same name and it centers around five police officers who inadvertently wandered into hell fun it's also one of the critique reviews says grotesque rather than scare scary so we're in for a treat fun (laughs) (laughs) um so yeah uh Thank you, Stephen, for coming and being a guest star. You've done so much for our podcast and helped us, given us so much content. So thank you for that as well. Thank you. You rock. Not going to say anything, though. (laughs) Stephen, are you still there? Hello? (laughs) Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you now. Jesus. Did you hear us before any of that? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I, I started talking. Oh, and well, then well, you all you... were like, are you gone? <laughs> okay, now you, you uh, can say what you said. <laughs> yeah, no, I was just going to say thanks for having me. And that, um, you know, I love a good horror movie. And uh, spoiler, most of the gays do. We love the horror genre because... <laughs> Because it's ridiculous and it's campy as hell, and we love a good camp story. I'm just saying. Love it. And the aesthetic, honey, the aesthetic. So um, I would love, listen, I, I realize that I've already invited myself back a whole bunch of times, <laughs> but also I would just say, if you, so listen, I need to come back for Poltergeist, okay? And also, too, I need to come back for Candyman because y'all need to watch that movie, too. Also, a Clive Barker hell yes. film. Hell yeah. And uh, Jordan Peele is doing a quote-unquote spiritual successor to Candyman. No, to Candyman, which uh, like thrills the shit out of me. He's going to knock it out of the park. He always does. I'm in. Also, you want to do Suspiria, Steven. (gasps) Well, if you were going to do Suspiria, you'd have to do the original and the remake. I mean, that would just be a price we'd have to pay. (laughs) <laughs> Listen, if, if the, the, the that's another one where the aesthetic is going to get you. I'm excited. You're going to clutch your pearls and be like, girl, the aesthetic. But yeah, thank you again, Stephen, for coming. You're welcome anytime, as we've said. So um, I'm sure all of our listeners will hear you again soon. Um, hey. 
Thank you again for listening, everyone. Um, you can follow us on social media, on Instagram and Twitter, survivor underscore underscore girls. And you can send us movie recommendations, like any comments you might have, shout out for us or something uh, to our email, survivorgirls666 at gmail.com. Halloween 3 season of the witch. Yes. Um, So yeah, thanks for listening this week. Bye. Bye. Catch you later. (laughs) Bye.